0: Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Virtue Podcast, and for today, we are going to be talking about forgiveness. That's not an easy subject, is it? And I am sure if you're listening, most of us have had to deal with unforgiveness in one way or another, and I also know there are those that are deeply hurt and struggling with forgetting some one or some instance that happened in their lives, or you're having difficulty forgiving yourself. Or you want forgiveness from someone, or you just want to learn more about it. So let's talk about it. Let's look into it today. You know, forgiveness sounds like such a wonderful idea, and it is because we were all forgiven. But it sure doesn't seem like a wonderful idea when we are told to forgive. And it can be so hard because the pains are real, the resentment's real, and the thing that has happened to us, it's real. Now, as I was studying for this podcast, the verse that came coming back into my mind was interesting. It was Romans 8:28. Now, don't run away. Just continue to listen to me. And we know that all things, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. In the Living Translation, it says this, and we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plans. And you know, I remember sitting there and and thinking and praying and telling the Lord, I don't think that's a good verse, Lord. It's a great verse, I believe it, but for forgiveness? I'm just not sure. People are hurting and they can see no good whatsoever in anything that has happened to them. Lord, I just don't know. So I would put it on the shelf and then I would bring it back. And I would look at it again, and I would read more. And I started dissecting a few of the words in this verse. Now, all things means just that, all things. Not a few things, not a couple of things work together for good. All things work together. And again, how can that possibly be? (laughs) Well, ladies, I've walked with the Lord a long time, and I believe His Word, as hard as some of it can be, But you know, when you read it, you've got two choices here as you read that verse in relation to your life. Number one is you don't believe it. Because from a human standpoint, it seems ridiculous. Because nothing good could possibly, from your perspective, from mine, nothing good was about that and nothing good can happen because of it. And choice number two is we believe it, even when we don't understand it, even when we don't see it, because God said it. And ladies, his word is sure. We can believe that he can take the broken, messed up pieces of our lives and somehow use them for good. You know, I've walked with the Lord a long time, and and I have found the more you know him, the more you study, the more you learn to trust him. And he would tell us, he would tell you today, no matter what comes into your life, somehow he will work it to good. Now listen, I didn't say that what happened to you was good. God hates what has happened to you as well. God didn't cause your pain, but listen to me, he'll use it. Johnny Erickson Tada, we all know her as she was paralyzed in a diving accident when she was very young, and she lives every day in pain for over 50 years. She's been wheelchair bound. She said this, and I just love it, God will permit what he hates in order to accomplish what he loves. I'm going to read that again. God will permit what he hates in order to accomplish what he loves. Wow, that's powerful. She was seeing it what from God's perspective? In all the things that have happened that are seemingly unforgivable, and there are a lot, aren't there? God says, give them to me. I'm going to work them out for good. Oh, ladies, do you trust that? Now, here's something we have to look at. What's our definition of good? And what's God's definition of good? You know, in my perspective of what is good, it's a calm life, that there's been resolutions, there's there's been uh, reuniting of of parted things. Uh, It means there's a calm and peaceful life. That's good. And I like that. But that's not always God's view of what is good. God looks at him from an eternal perspective, and he says, I want to conform you into my image. I want to take that pain and use it for you to draw closer to me, you to search the scriptures, you to learn of me and be conformed into my image, as it says in Romans 8 29. You know, we may not see all the good. We might not. In Proverbs, it says, God has made everything beautiful and it's time. It's all his timing. Oh, we need to have God's perspective on what is good And I need to pray that because so many times I have said, God, I don't see this. I don't see how you're going to work in this situation. But then I have to pray, Lord, I need your perspective. I need to see things the way you see them. And it's so much different than how I would handle things. Lord, I need it. I can't trust my own perspective. I can't forgive, not on my own. I can't do it. Nothing good can possibly come out of this. And Jesus says, Give it to me. Now, Joseph, he's such a beautiful example of forgiveness, isn't he? There's so much written on him because he's this godly example. He was betrayed by his brothers who were plotting to kill him, and yet God intervened there because he had a purpose for Joseph's life. He was sold as a slave. Taken to Egypt as a boy, and he ends up thrown in jail for what? Choosing good over sinning. He was probably in jail around seven years. He was forgotten about. No one remembered him. Yet he was the model prisoner. Interesting. And it tells us here now listen to this because I think it's key to the story. Genesis 39 21 says, But the Lord was with Joseph there too. And he granted Joseph favor with the chief jailer, even in that crummy, dirty, lonely prison. And remember, Joseph was a victim. He didn't ask for any of this. He was betrayed by his family, by those he loved. You know, how angry Joseph could have been with God for allowing him to be in such a situation. He could have carried around unforgiveness about his family— thoughts of revenge. He probably could have had anger issues. But somewhere in that seven years, sitting in that dark, lonely prison, Joseph recognized that God was with him in his suffering, in his grieving the loss of his family, and that God's loving hand was on him. All things work together. Now interestingly, the word together in the Greek is synergia from where we get our word synergy. Now listen to the definition of the word synergy, because I just love it. It says, multiple or different separate things working together to accomplish what none of them could do by themselves. Isn't that an interesting thing, an interesting definition of together? Multiple or different separate things working together to accomplish what none of them could do by themselves. You give God your pain, you give Him your hurt, and by obedience you choose to forgive. We do have a choice there, but we give it to God, and weirdly, He works it all together supernaturally in sometimes the most natural ways, but he takes all the elements of your life that don't make sense, that are crazy, and somehow he says, I'm going to work them out for good. How important is forgiveness to Jesus? Well, very important. You know, even in the simplest thing like the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9, that he knew, that Jesus knew for centuries upon centuries, we would all sometimes every day pray this prayer or a model of this prayer. But what did he tuck in there? Forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. And he goes on to say in verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Those are strong words, but they're important words that he wanted us to remember every single day. Because you see, holding on to unforgiveness He keeps you the prisoner. And God tells you, I want to release you from the pain of the past. I want to make you whole. Can you trust me with all of the mess, the anger, the bitterness, the unforgiveness? Can you take God at his word when he says that? Because you are a prisoner and you want to be set free, unforgiveness holds you. You think you are controlling over that one person, but you're not. You're being controlled by your emotions. Psalms 119, 44 and 45 says this, I will keep on obeying your instructions forever and ever. I will walk in freedom. What is that saying? It's saying, I'm going to obey you, whether I like it, whether it's easy or not, and I'm going to walk in freedom. The Lord wants to release you from the pain of the past. He wants to set you free, and in His marvelous love, that he has for you, choosing forgiveness, will take you on a path of the supernatural. Somehow he will work it together for something good. Do you think, as Joseph was sitting in that prison, all things seemingly against him, how could he possibly know that God was going to use every bit of this trial, this heartache, this grieving, this unjustly way he was treated God would use it, Joseph surely didn't see it then, but he did later. He got God's perspective, didn't he? Read chapter 45 of Genesis. All of the puzzle pieces came together. I work in assisted living homes, and I go to different ones weekly. And almost in every facility, there is a table, and on it is unfinished puzzle pieces. And I'll tell you, they're very intricate. They're little thousands of pieces. And it looks like such a mess as you look at these hundreds of pieces all over. And and then you think, how could anything good come out of this puzzle? Now, I'm not a puzzle person, but I love looking them over and watching other people do them and trying to find different pieces that fit. But here's what I notice about it. You always look for the straight edges first, don't you? You look for those edges that are straight, and you start framing it in first. You're building your foundation. You're getting it set up for all of the other pieces. And then I notice in front of the puzzle is the picture of the finished puzzle. And it's perfect, and it's complete, and it's beautiful, isn't it? So when we're working this puzzle, what do we do? We keep looking at the completed picture, don't we? We kept looking at what it's going to become. Now, as we are working that, we don't see it. Not completely. We're puzzled by the puzzle, aren't we? But ladies, we have that same foundation in our lives that is solid and holds us, and it frames our life, and it holds us strong. What is that foundation? That foundation is that Jesus loves us so much he died for us, that he has a plan, and that nothing, nothing that comes into your life he can't handle and will work for good. Although the pieces are jagged, squirrely looking, doesn't seem to fit, they seem like misfit pieces, and you keep trying one thing or another, how can anything come out beautiful in the mess of our lives? Ladies, look to the completed picture on the box top. Keep looking at it. Look down, see your life, and then keep looking at that completed, perfect picture because Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Look at him because he will complete what he has started. In closing, I have just a couple of points, takeaway points I want you to think about. Number one, Acknowledge the hurt that you're carrying. Give it to God. Don't pretend that that hurt never happened in your life. It takes so much energy and anxiety and depression when you are trying to pretend your pain didn't happen. God says, give it to me. In Psalms fifty-five twenty-two, 22, it says, cast your cares upon me and he will sustain you. Interesting, the word for sustain here means forever, everlasting, evermore, eternity, unending future. What he is saying is, I'm going to sustain you forever. There is never a time that I'm not holding you in my hands. Point number two, surrender your right to punish. Now, this is big because when someone hurts you, you still want to be in control of it, and you still think, I'll never talk to him again. I will never see them again. Or I will continually remind them of the hurt. I will bring it up in every argument. I will be aloof. I will be mean. No, surrender your right. That's not your right to hold that and to punish that person. You give that to the Lord because he is the one that works all of that out. And again, it will change you by surrendering that to the Lord. And the third one, and this one's a little hard, I know, because they don't deserve it for sure and yet either do we, pray for that person. As hard as that can be, and sometimes in the beginning, baby steps, it's just a few words, Lord bless them, amen. But as you begin to pray and pray, it's going to change you. You may not see that person change, you may not, but every time you pray, God is doing something. And most likely, he's working in your life, softening up those edges in you, melting away your right to be right, melting away and healing you. There is healing when you pray for someone else, and we all need healing. So right now, in the close, I'd like to pray for you, because I know, as you're listening, there's some that are just really hurt. And I know, thinking, what good can come out of my situation? Ladies, It just takes a mustard seed of faith to believe that God can work that out in your lives. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now for those that are listening. You know the hearts, you know the situations, you know the past of so many and what they are carrying. Whether they're even trying to forgive themselves, or, Lord, wanting to know more about unforgiveness? our Lord, wanting to forgive and yet not wanting to forgive? Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit, because all of this is supernatural, would you fall down upon them? Holy Spirit, would you permeate every heart and every mind and give them the ability? Because you don't ask us to do something that you don't give us the power to do. You ask us to obey you, and then you give us the Holy Spirit to enable us to do it. And I do pray for every hurting heart here. Lord, you are truly that balm that heals. And I pray that you would begin touching and softening and whispering in their ear how much they are loved and how much you want to set them free. So, Father, at the hearing of this message, I pray lives would be changed. I pray pasts would be faded away and a newness of life walking in you would be just the most amazing beginning of a new day. So I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your love for these women. And I thank you for how you are going to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask or think. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.